Algar Productions. Despite the title, the following podcast is most decidedly not for kids. This is the Kids Love Superman podcast with your hosts, Matt Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Episode 60, Fun and Games and A Little Piece of Home. Hi, pals. It is pals I remembered. Yeah. And it's uh, week two of Superman. And mm-hmm. uh, lest, lest you think they used up all their, uh, all their best material in, in the, uh, the three-part premiere, well, you're wrong. Yeah. We because, get to see uh, the Toy Man. Yeah. Yeah, there is and, the Toy Man. And his toys. <laughs> yeah, right out of the gate. So it's like, okay, okay, first one. Mm-hmm. We got Lex Luthor and a giant robot. That's the first villain. Of course. Of course it's Lex Luthor. Of mm-hmm. course it is. Second guy. Who's who's the next most more most important? Uh the toy man. I mean what? I'd like to what? complain, but Batman did start with Man Bat, his most yeah. well known villain. Yeah, and then they came out like with <laughs> I remember at the time they had like three or four Mad Hatter episodes mm-hmm. all. In the first, like, 12 weeks or something. Yeah, it was the Mad Hatter and Scarecrow show. Yeah, that was it. Scarecrow. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Mad Hatter was a little bit later. One but of those like, guys. I Look, Superman's got some good villains. He doesn't have exclusively good villains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's get into it. Tell us about fun and games. So it's another day in Metropolis on another armored car full of idiots who don't know that they just can't steal armored cars anymore, guys. Come on, Superman fucking lives here. Oddly enough, the armored car escapes somehow, and while the various goons, including the guy who will eventually fall into a vat of pissing me off and become Lobo, are celebrating, are, are celebrating, a nasty little freak in a ventriloquist dummy shows up and starts threatening people. Tell your boss, Mannheim, that if he doesn't stop being a criminal, he'll be playing with power because the toy man does what Nintendo don't. I'm sorry, the only toy commercials I can ever remember are for old video games. Anyway, Nasty Little Freak says says this before destroying the warehouse with a cursed Super Bowl. Also, I'm the toy man, he says. And then, I don't know, rides off on a slinky or something. <laughs> Superman arrives and saves the various goons and then changes back into Clark Kent so that he can meet Lois at the picnic, picnic in the park where Bruno Mannheim, a perfectly legitimate businessman, why would you say otherwise, is doing some sort of benefit for the children. There, he is attacked by little toy planes that shoot little toy bullets at him. Luckily, Clark uses his super anti-little toy plane vision to disable the planes. Lois writes an article about how the toy man is a gross creep, which is accurate, but the toy man has very little self-awareness and thinks it's perfectly fine to kidnap Lois and dress her in a Raggedy Ann costume. Like a gross creep would do. He also kidnaps Mannheim with a giant rubber duck, proving that the toy man definitely saw Batman Returns and thought it was awesome. I'd like a duck like that, he probably said in the theater. Shh, someone probably replied, and then he baked them in a giant creepy crawler's oven or something. Clark and Jimmy use Boolean search terms to learn that the toy man is probably the son of Winslow Schott, a kindly Santa Claus impersonator who let his toy company become a money laundering business for Mannheim and then took the fall and died in prison. Back at Toy Man's gross headquarters, Toy Man is telling Lois pretty much the same thing, while occasionally reminding him or her that he is very, very sane. Mm-hmm, says Lois, taking copious notes. When Toy Man goes to kill Mannheim, Lois saves him, and then Superman shows up somehow. Toy Man attempts to murder Superman by tying him to a USS flag playset and then shooting it into the sun, but it's no use. Superman saves Lois and Mannheim, and the Toy Man escapes, possibly in the turtle blimp. 
See, you can name all kinds of toys. What are you mm-hmm. talking about? I worked my way through like five of them. Uh-huh. You you didn't even touch any of the toys Colonel, Colonel Gentleman wishes, wishes he had as a lad, but they weren't invented yet. Uh, I can only ever remember at-at Imperial Walker because he says it so excitedly. That and, and we get into a heated discussion every time that comes up because you insist it's A-T-A-T and mm-hmm. I say at-at because I believe this is a generational divide. Well, here's my question. How do you, pr- how do you pronounce the A-T-S-T? I don't know. They never had a commercial that I can remember for that one. Just call it the Chicken Walker. Yeah, at st, at st, at yeah. saint. Yeah, it's like a um, it's like a techno song. At at at. Dirlito. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's my so, at I'm, street imperial walker. <laughs> I'm just gonna roll into my bad thing here, which yes. I already sort of hinted at before. So once you get past Luthor, Brainiac, and Metallo, Superman's guys are pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. Like the show did the best it could with one of his most prominent recurring villains, and and you know he's he's in there. He shows up a fair amount. Mm-hmm. I just don't get why. He seems like more of a Batman guy. He sure does. Like, Superman does scary robots and mad scientists, not the mentally ill. So the thing is, I don't know a whole lot about the toy man, other than that I kind of hate him. Um, But he's basically, from what I Sorry, go ahead. He's basically, from what I remember, was like a guy in like a striped suit that liked kids and was mad that he couldn't give toys to kids or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, he's very Silver Age. Mm-hmm. He sure is. And, you know, sometimes you can convert those guys, and sometimes you can't. Yeah. And in this case, you see, like, the amount of work that had to go in to make this character. Well, this team has shown us time and time and time again mm-hmm. that they can take the basic scraps of an idea and stay true to, you know, what what the character's about. Mm-hmm. Please see Calendar and, Woman. <laughs> yeah, and make it something much better. Mm-hmm. Like this guy, like I am not creeped. I'm I'm rare. I realize, mm-hmm. but I'm not creeped out by the ventriloquist dummy head and and all that sort of and the and the creepy voice. Like that just that doesn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. But I get that it is sort of objectively creepy, and I get that uh, like his gimmick is not just dumb. It's a little like it's a little menacing. Like the bouncing ball thing should have been really stupid, but mm-hmm. when you realize, oh shit, those guys are trapped in this room, and that thing isn't stopping. Yeah. I also quite like the uh, the evil Play-Doh mm-hmm. that he throws at Superman, and Superman's like, this is dumb. Oh, fuck. Yeah, and then it proceeds to wrap itself around his head like mm-hmm. a, a face hugger from Alien. Yep. I always wonder where this stuff comes from, because, like, Toy Man, as far as I can tell, is just, like, a dude who invents toys, and he's got, like, this thing that just, like, bounces forever, and a uh, some goop that just grows and suffocates you. Well, there is, and I don't know if this is actually true or if it's just a thing people, like one of those sort of urban myth things, but like even, even George Carlin thought it was true because he titled like a book of his, his comedy after this, Napalm Mm. and Silly Putty, which is like the idea, the the urban myth being, and maybe it's true, maybe it isn't, but it doesn't Mm. matter. Like people think this, the same research that developed Napalm also developed Silly Putty. Oh, that's interesting. I can actually see that. And even if it's not true, people think it's true, so mm. it doesn't matter. But, like, if this guy's dad had a lab where they were testing weird new toy concepts and mm-hmm. this guy just sort of tweaked the, um, you know, the formulas to make them deadly, I can, I can see that. I'll just set this to evil. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why he didn't have an army of crusty dolls except, oh, right, Warner <laughs> Brothers and Disney, two different yep. things uh, for now. 
I have definitely seen comics where he had like an army of little Superman action figures. Oh, absolutely. Um, what I was going to ask before was, I know you're most familiar with like, you know, stuff from the 90s and on because mm. that's when you started reading comics like was there sort of an edgelordy embodiment of the 90s version of toy man or did the comics just say no we're not using him they uh they did the ultimate che- i remember uh distinctly they did the ultimate cheap uh move in the uh in the early aughts and hinted that he might be like a pedophile yeah i figured i figured somebody like mark miller or like mm. uh you know, Garth Ennis or somebody got it and, and did something like that. Yeah, it was only feels... a matter of time. No, I remember distinctly uh, pictures of him wearing like a like a like a trench coat and like those little okay. glasses that like cling yeah. to your eyeballs and you can't see your eyes through them. Okay, I'm just like, yeah, see, he's really creepy. It's like, oh. yeah, and then not creepy we were... in a fun way though. This is just gross. We were talking b- before we started that um, uh, Brian Michael Bendis, who w- you and I knew for years as mm-hmm. a Marvel guy, moved over to DC not terribly long ago, but probably like five years ago. Yeah, now, it's about five years like now. Yeah, and started writing Superman, and I read it for a minute, and I was like, oh, this guy really hasn't sort of stretched beyond his the, the tricks that I kind of already know. Yeah. Um, which is too bad. I, I genuinely enjoyed his work back in the day, but mm-hmm. I just, mm-hmm, not so much. It's anymore. just, you know, like, you're still doing the exact same stuff, huh? But his toy man uh, spoke like an old uh, Jewish fellow, which is mm. how every uh, Bendis character mm-hmm. speaks, uh, up to and including Emma Frost, as I recall. Oh, I was so mad reading that. And I, it's like, what the hell are you doing writing X-Men? Get out of here. <laughs> uh, there was there's a line, something about you Kryptonian pain in my tuchus or something oh like that. Like, oh, come on. Brian. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? You've got more money than God. You don't have to do this. Oh, you, you Superman. Uh-huh. Uh, but we've kind of already talked about your good thing, but let's get into it a little more. Yeah. Um. Like, I always I, I always really like the design of the toy man on the show. He comes back a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Like, dude in a suit with a ventriloquist dummy head that he just never takes off. I don't think we ever actually see the guy's face Ever and I could be wrong about that because like I haven't seen all of all of this show, but like no and and when uh, when Clark and Jimmy are looking through the computer stuff, I, it, they showed like that as you said the Santa Claus uh, impersonator. And I was mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, that's not what he looks like. And then they imply, oh no, that's his dad. Okay, oh, never it's mind. just this gross kid. Okay, I follow yeah. you. Yeah, no, it's a it's a you know pretty pretty classic revenge mm-hmm. story. The the mob fucked over my parents, and now I'm getting revenge. Mm-hmm. That's. Uh, you know, pretty standard stuff, mm-hmm. I would say. I like, uh, I quite like Bruno Mannheim as the mob guy, like, it's sort like if, sort of running the mo- the mafia. Or excuse, fuck, what is it? The Magia? No, that's not the that's Magia. Marvel. Um, it's got Intergang. He runs Intergang. Right. If I am not mistaken, I'm ninety percent sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure enough to go look it up because why would we ever do that? <laughs> Uh, but I'm pretty sure he ends up being the one who's like uh, importing the weird uh, weapons from Dark Side. Like that yes. whole like, see, he's he sticks around for a while. Is my point? Mm. He's sort of the Rupert the Rupert Thorne of this show, but uh, with a much worse haircut. He has a much worse haircut, and also I like him. Like he's fun. Yeah, but he's like I do too. I do enjoy. There's there's some real specific things about him that I find just sort of gross or unpleasant, and. I, that's some good touches. Like mm-hmm. just the way he talks, the way he dresses, his, his hair, his little mustache, just you can tell exactly the kind of mob guy he is. Yep. And I love that. Like like Rupert Thorne's like that sort of distinguished like old money. Oh, he's the godfather. Yeah, he's exactly. straight up the godfather. 
And like Mannheim's like the guy whose dad was the godfather and he wants to be the godfather too, but he doesn't know how. Yeah. But not not Michael Corleone. No, more no, like, no. More like Fredo. Yeah. Also, he has this, which is my quote, which was the funniest line in the episode. And it is my honor to dedicate Mannheim Park to the true heroes of Metropolis, our children. Yes, that is a very good quote. Now, in fairness, he is like, because I thought that was amazing. And mm-hmm. then and then they sort of pull back and reveal, oh, he's just rehearsing his speech. Okay, yes. that's why it doesn't sound sincere, because he'll say it's sincere in front of people, but maybe he won't. For the children. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh. Uh, I really liked, going back to uh, uh, Clark and Jimmy sort of looking into his backstory, you mentioned mm-hmm. this in your summary, and uh, cross-cutting between that and Lois talking to the toy man and getting the backstory out of him. Mm-hmm. I thought that was put together really well. Like, it was kind of not sophisticated, but like for children's television. Well, it's a really good way to get everyone all on the same page and also keep it interesting. Like, I also yeah. really like Toy Man whips out basically what's what amounts to a pop-up book mm-hmm. that's like his origin. And I also really like that. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting to us, the audience, because we're not just listening to two guys sitting at a computer mm-hmm. reading us what they see. They're reading a little bit, and then we cut to the guy talking about himself, and then we cut back and forth, and it's, it's just well put together. I really like that. Yeah. Um, which sort of ties into my good thing. Yeah. The absolute awful creepiness of Lois being put in different clothes while she's unconscious, notwithstanding, because that was... Uh-huh. Like... He knocks her out, and she wakes up in other clothes. So I remember that happening a lot in like cartoons and stuff when I was growing up. And at the time, yeah. I didn't it didn't occur to me that it was disgusting. And now it's all I think about when I see it. He might have put them on over her other clothes. It's entirely but... possible that thi- that suit's very baggy. Yeah, I do like that she's got like mittens on, so mm-hmm. it looks like she doesn't have like she doesn't have hands. Yeah, she's got like uh, like uh, doll hands. Yeah. Like just a thumb and one giant finger, and that's it. And she um, does the uh, the one p- like type of emoting you could do with those kind of hands, which is to put your hand up to your mouth and go, "Oh." Mm-hmm. Well, and she's got like the two big uh, dots of uh, blush on her mm-hmm. face, which helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of that notwithstanding, I like that when she wakes up, she doesn't start freaking out because yeah. Lois can can keep her shit together. First of all, second mm-hmm. of all. She's completely calm and talks to the toy man in a soothing voice because she knows he's much more likely to give her the scoop mm-hmm. than if she starts freaking out and demanding her freedom. And uh, maybe it's also compassion, but I bet it's mostly getting the story. Yeah, uh, we can put the compassion. We can leave the compassion aside. He did kidnap her after all. No, I know that. But also Lois knows immediately. Oh, oh, this guy's uh, this guy's mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Maybe screaming. This isn't Lex Luthor. I can't just like start wailing on him and screaming and demanding things like this guy different different approach but but also it's not uh it's not because she cares it's That's, because she wants to get the story this is the thing i really like about this lois is she is always 100 percent in control of what's going on you know yep like you Even never when feel she's like knocked she's out and kidnapped yeah like she has been doing this for years she yep. will continue to do this for years whether or not superman happens to exist yeah it's great no no, she got knocked out and kidnapped, and she's still in control. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty damn impressive. Uh, what was your bad thing? Uh, the scale in this episode is all over the place. Like, the animation is not great. Um, I spent the entire episode not knowing entirely how tall the Toy Man was supposed to be until he's standing right next to Lois. 
I don't know that I'd say the animation was terrible. There was an excellent sequence of uh, Superman fighting a giant ducky. Yes, that was very good. But there are there are other bits. You're right. There's. It there's also the had the uh, the the runner up quote for me, which was "kill that thing," and the guy going, "It's a giant ducky." Mm-hmm. No, I and I I mentioned this on Twitter when I was watching the episode, but this like the opening credits have uh, selections from the first few episodes. Mm-hmm. Why isn't that ducky in there instead of him fighting the dinosaur, man? I, you know, I would assume they use all the action sequences they have to, they have access to. And who right. doesn't want to see Superman fight a giant ducky? The, the thing is, like, jokes aside, it is very visually distinctive. And mm-hmm. it's not, like, it, it shows you, okay, yes, the show is grounded in certain ways. The characters are, are emotionally relatable. But also, goofier shit happens on this show than on the other show. Mm-hmm. Like, you're much more likely to get an episode like Critters on Superman every third week mm-hmm. than than you did on Batman that one time. Batman rarely gets to fight a giant ducky, and he has a villain who has access to a giant ducky. No, and he and that version has it too. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just the Danny DeVito one. Like we've seen that duck, but that, yep. Batman didn't fight it; he just followed it. <laughs> someday I'm gonna fight that duck. No, mm-hmm. you won't. Oh man. <laughs> just uh, look at it. Just oh, I really want to fight that duck, though. <laughs> uh, what else? What else? Uh, let's see. Evil like, Super I like, Ball. I like this episode, but yeah, uh, not a ton to say about it. Honestly, I like uh, Mannheim escaping from the sh- the the toy planes by hiding out at what's clearly the Mad Hatter's future hideout. <laughs> Uh, Jimmy, there's a moment where uh, Jimmy's taking a photo of it. It's like, what a scoop! And all I can think is, those are just pictures of little planes, Jimmy. Yeah, but they've got, uh, they're shooting real bullets. I don't know, I just don't think this is going to transfer well to a uh, newspaper page. Mm, all right, fair enough. I'm not the Pulitzer Prize winning photographer here, but... Uh, mm-hmm. Is he? Uh, Yeah. I don't know if this one is, but... That's uh, what I mean. At this point, he's just some guy with a mullet. Mm-hmm who's uh, desperately, like, uh, tagging along with Clark and Lois. And I don't, I don't think he gets paid most of the time. I think he's just hoping that he'll get a shot at a, at a good, you know, at a good We picture. going on an adventure, Miss Lane? Shut up, Jimmy. Yeah, I guess so. You can drive. Uh. <laughs> yeah, otherwise, I don't think I got a whole lot here. Yeah, me neither. And not because I didn't like it. Just, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, my, hey, it's that guy. This is a, this is a deep cut. But uh, trust me, Toy Man mm-hmm. is played by Bud Court, who mm-hmm. is most famous for, I don't know if you know the movie Harold and Maude. Uh, yes, I, I don't think I've seen it, but I have, I, I'm aware of it. Yeah, it's, it's. I haven't seen it either. It's on my list, honestly, because mm-hmm. uh, I've heard good things about it. But uh, it's, I believe, about sort of a, a young man, maybe even a teenager, mm-hmm. uh, who falls in love with an older woman. Yeah, I believe and, so. Uh, and, and he's the younger man in that. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also in one of the most obscure jokes on Arrested Development, which is really saying wow. something for that show. Yeah. So, you know, in season three, they had uh, uh, Judge Reinhold, and he mm-hmm. had a judge show because his name was Judge. Um, they, then, like, at in the, uh, the post-credits that, you know, on the next Arrested mm-hmm. Development, um, they had, like, the knockoff shows that were coming out, and one of them was Bud Court. <laughs> With him as the judge in in Bud Court. Oh my so. God! All right, that's yeah. pretty good. 
It, 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 you, there's, you have to know a lot of things uh-huh. for that to work. Well, I mean, it's Arrested Development. That's yeah. how the show works. That's how they rolled. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's the toy map. So the right. the proper way to watch Arrested Development is to just always have the first three seasons on a loop forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Correct. I did that from 2006 to about uh, 2011, 2012, mm-hmm. something like that. Never watched the fifth season. No, the incorrect way to watch Arrested Development is to follow up those three seasons with more seasons. I liked season four. I know that's a controversial stance, Mm -hmm. but uh, five was just garbage. Oh, it's bad. It's very, very bad. Real bad. Every time I think about it, it makes me a little angry. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to something that didn't make me angry, but made me happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, A little piece of home. Here we go. Metropolis. Oh, oh, good start. Metropolis. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Metropolis's Museum of Natural History is very low on funds, so it's billionaire Lex Luthor to the rescue. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Did you think to the rescue meant he's going to donate some money to the failing museum? I guess I can forgive your night naivete here, since you've only just met billionaire philanthropist Lex Luthor, and you apparently have never heard of a billionaire before. No, obviously, this means it's time to visit the completely for-profit Lexco Tax Dodge and Gift Shop. And by time to visit, I don't so much mean the general public as I mean a couple of idiot burglars who try to rob the place in broad daylight while the press and Lex himself are standing right outside the place. Also, Superman exists, and the burglars already know this, lest you think my idiot label was hasty. Fortunately for them, Superman's inevitable arrival is hampered by the presence of an unusual green rock on display in the unusual green rock section. Remember when I told you to take note of those chunks of Krypton that passed through hyperspace with baby Kal-El's rocket last week? Well, here's one of them now. Turns out the radioactive remains of Superman's planet... Okay, I'm not going to explain kryptonite to you. This is the first time this fictional world has encountered it, but there's absolutely no possible way you don't know what kryptonite is. Being a certified genius, Lex notices Superman staggering out of his phoseum like a comedy drunk, and it's not long before he works out that he has that green rock to thank. So he sets a cunning scheme into motion. He hires some rocketeer cosplaying goons to do a robbery to lure Superman into pursuing them. And he gives the kryptonite to their leader, who proceeds to beat the ever-loving tar, excuse me, the ever-loving unknown, out of him. This is a joke for you, Superman. Three enthusiasts out there. Hi, Gav. Uh, Superman manages to shamble away again, still mystified as as to the cause of all this trouble. Because, well, he's kind of a dummy. Very powerful, very virtuous, but also a bit stupid. Thankfully, Lois is very much not a dummy and has already taken an ill-gotten sample of the kryptonite to Star Labs, which is like a bunch of scientists who hang around waiting for superhero and alien shit to figure out, I think. I assume they do other stuff, but as far as I know, their primary mandate is Superman's support. Superman's new best pal, no, not that one, Professor Emil Hamilton, catches up Superman to what Lex and everyone in the audience already knows about the kryptonite. Also, he tips him off to this useful fact. He can shield himself from its effects with lead. Actually, he says element 82 on the periodic table, which just elicits a blank stare from Superman. Because, again, dummy. Then he and Lois go to rescue her her inside man at LexCorp back at the for-profit Luthornian Institute. And, oh, guess what? It's a trap. There's more kryptonite waiting here. And also, for reasons I'm never entirely clear on, a deadly T-Rex. <laughs> like... It's meant to be the impressive dinosaur mock-up in the entrance, like all good natural history museums have, but this one's animatronic, and not like Chuck E. Cheese moves around a bit animatronic, this one is literally capable of killing a regular person or a weakened-by-kryptonite Superman. And it nearly does. I have absolutely no idea why Lex has this. Well, that's not true. I fully expect Lex to own a killer robot dinosaur. I'm just not sure why he keeps it here. Anyway, 
Superman fights a dinosaur and gets enough B-roll for the opening credits, and then he finally remembers that thing Professor Hamilton told him about lead, and after an embarrassingly long time manages to save the day. Lex is once again pretty ticked off and begins scouring the globe for more kryptonite. But what are the odds he'll find that? He's only one of the richest men on the planet, and that rocket only dragged like a hundred pieces of it to Earth, so Superman's probably fine. Get me the coolest, greenest rock you can find. That one's not green enough. No, put it back on the pile. <laughs> put it back oh, under the rocks. Earth. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I like that they kind of did an entire episode just like, oh, hey, kryptonite. Remember that? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Like, you don't have to introduce a new villain every time. You don't have to, like, have a compelling psychological thing. Sometimes it's just like, here's a new piece of Superman's lore that mm-hmm. we haven't touched yet. Oh, we have a perfectly good Lex that we can still use, you know? Oh, dude, th- he's behind everything. Like, mm-hmm. most of the guys we'll see that aren't, like, the toy man are, are you know, from Lex. <laughs> he's just looking at him like, I want to hire that man. Do you? Why? I don't know. Shut up. <laughs> uh, one thing I, I tried to mention in my summary, and I just couldn't find a good place to, to say, mm-hmm. uh, this is the first appearance of Lex's... Um, uh, number one henchman, the the Harley to his Joker. Yep. Uh, Mercy Graves. Mercy. Who, uh, I, I mentioned this on social media as well, but it's like they looked at Miss Tessmacher from mm-hmm. the movies and said, yeah, but what if she could just completely kick your ass? Yeah. What if she just could just wipe the floor with you? What about what if, that? <laughs> what if we made her the most terrifying person in the entire show? And everyone Lex deals with, all the shady people that, that he has contact with, look at Mercy and just, like, wince. Uh-huh. Like, ooh, ooh, whatever you say, don't, don't, uh, don't make her beat me up, please. Well, I mean, this is my good thing. Uh, Lex has Mercy kill three people in this, in this children's show. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all off camera, but it's just, it's, they might as well just say, yes, yes, Mercy, go kill this guy. And then kill that guy. And then mm-hmm. kill a third guy. Well, it's, uh, oh, your uh, your Lex is turning into your uh, Sulu. <laughs> oh, no. I'm tripping balls. <laughs> because of Superman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I like, also, he's got someone to do his dirty work because mm-hmm. he is obviously very evil, but also is very good at not getting caught. Yeah. He keeps his hands clean. Shit for you. Yeah, exactly. And uh, part of the reason is because Mercy does it for him. Mm -hmm. And also billionaires get away with everything. Well, there is also that, which the show will talk about a little Mm -hmm. bit. Batman Batman also talked about that. Mm -hmm. Well, that particular billionaire gets away with uh, being Batman. Yeah, but also that show had a pretty uncompromising view of every other rich person. Mm -hmm. We had to be sympathetic with the one because the show was about him, but uh, it didn't really care for any of the other ones. (laughs) Come Which on, I it's really happy. come on, these billionaires are getting ripped off. Aren't you mad about that? No, this is awesome, actually. No. I ho- I hope Nostromo steals all their money. <laughs> or Pam. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so my good thing is yes. uh, well, I mean I already mentioned Mercy. Basically we just we meet two more excellent members of Superman's extended cast in this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Pro- Professor Emil Hamilton, who I yep. mentioned, and and Mercy Graves. Like these are two pretty important characters who will continue appearing well into Justice League. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm glad they're here. It's a great idea. I don't know other versions of Superman that I'm familiar with has never have never had, like, a, a scientist type who's mm-hmm. willing to help Superman figure out the 
the more complicated, weird space shit and, and sci-fi shit that he's got to deal with. Uh, Hamilton, I believe, uh, is uh, like like Popeye, who is also on this show, uh, <laughs> is, uh, uh, as far as I know, a 90, another 90s character. Okay. That's uh, a good idea. Was like I sp- I specifically remember him from some issue I had where Superman lost his powers and he built Superman an Iron Man suit to tool around in. Okay. Well, I mean, he's the one that's going to make him a suit to be able to go into space. He'll make him a lead suit later mm-hmm. to, to handle kryptonite. Like he's he's you know he's his support, and I yep. love that. Superman dies of lead poisoning. Well, you know that's going to happen. Should they given him all this lead? He shouldn't be licking the suit. <laughs> I can't help myself. It's delicious. <laughs> Have you ever tasted lead? No, you haven't because you're still alive. <laughs> As Superman, I can eat all the lead I want. Mm. That's one of the powers you don't hear much about. Mm-hmm. Super lead eating. <laughs> I have seen him chew up some bullets occasionally if he's really showing off. Yeah, that's true. There's um, there's an episode. I, I might be like next week or something. It's very mm-hmm. soon. Uh, not long from now. Where Hamilton's... Uh, testing Superman's powers with him because Superman like has fucked around on the farm with Ma and Pa but mm-hmm. he hasn't had anyone sort of like objectively scientifically like with a clipboard running the numbers through mm-hmm. a computer like oh this is how far you can fly this is how much you can lift like it, stuff like that would be useful to mm-hmm. know how how strong would you say you are Superman I don't know barn liftingly strong mm, that doesn't more- help more powerful than a locomotive. Mm. Uh, that's not a that's not a standard unit of measure, Superman. I mean, let's be real. Locomotives aren't that powerful. Yeah, I mean, look when when someone maybe said that in the 1930s, it might they might have kind of been, but uh, you know, it's it's the future of the 30s now. Give me one of those big machines that uh, the the things always always pushing on in Fantastic Four comics. Oh, one of those Kirby devices. Of yeah, course. <laughs> just pipes that go everywhere that nobody knows what they do. Mm-hmm. They must have one of those kicking around. We fucking love Jack Kirby on this show. Yeah, they sure do. Um, let's see. Uh, my bad thing. Yes. Well, speaking of lead, there's a... Uh, so when they're in the museum in the beginning, there's a uh, uh, museum tour guide mm-hmm. talking about these uh, a, a, a civilization that did die from lead poisoning. Yep, they ate their plates. Which, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Certainly, they didn't just eat food on the plates. That's, no, that that's, would be ridiculous. Come on. Yeah, of course. But uh, she she nicely sets up that when they come back to the museum at the end, he's like, oh, right, those cups. Lois, put the kryptonite in that lead cup. And then, uh, you know, I'll be protected. Um, I like but, that Superman's the only guy who pays attention at the uh, to the, right. uh, the nice announcer lady at the museum. Well, he has to because he's kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. Which I, I will come up again, particularly mm-hmm. when you set him next to Batman and it's like, okay, solve this crime. And Superman's like, um. <laughs> Have you tried pushing the moon through space? Mm-hmm. No, we, we didn't try that, Superman. Well, my, my eye lasers might help. <laughs> How about breath? Super breath. How about that? Now, I don't really keep that one in the back pocket, but uh, for you, Batman, yeah. anything. I mean, you know how when you blow on your soup to make it cooler, I could do that and actually make ice happen. That's why they call me Superman. Is it? I thought it was because Lois made a Nietzsche reference. It could be two things. My bad thing is, okay, so that that museum tour guide is Tress McNeil, who Mm -hmm. who I love. Yes. Working voice actor, Tress McNeil. uh, I do enjoy her. She doesn't have a tremendous range, but I still enjoy hearing her. Then she pops up. 
maybe three minutes later. Mm-hmm. And then she pops up a third time in a different role about mm, three minutes after that. Mm-hmm. It's just like too much Tress McNeil all concentrated in one place. It's like, okay, so we hired two women for this show and the other one is Lois. Yeah. Dana Delaney just does this. Yeah. She's amazing at this, but she doesn't really have any, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, supporting character range. No, Tress, how many... also. Tress, how many voices can you could, can you say you can do? Well, I can do my regular voice, and I can do old lady voice. Mm-hmm. Swamp hag. <laughs> I'll don't use either of those for this episode. Well, all right. But yeah, it was it was a little. Uh... No, she's got a couple. She got like Dot Warner. Oh, that's true. Or uh, Babs Bunny, who is also just Dot Warner. Who's Dot Warner? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so three voices. Yeah. All right. Well, then she's three characters. So mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm complaining about. <laughs> At least she didn't play Mercy. That's true. But uh, yeah, that was that was a little turning. What was your bad thing? I couldn't find a bad thing. I tried very <laughs> hard. Oh, all right then. But uh, this one is awesome, and it has uh, <laughs> has a jetpack fight and Superman yes. fighting a dinosaur. This is everything I could ever want. I was not kidding when I said that the goons were doing Rocketeer cosplay. They are straight up dressed like they are like uh, villains from a like a Flash Gordon serial mm-hmm. with the like the finny helmets and mm-hmm. the, and the jetpacks and oh, I fucking love it. The whole sequence is really cool. Just the like, and I hope you don't chase us, Superman. Uh huh. <laughs> oh no, I used my rope on you. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the leader guy is uh. uh Biff Tannen himself, mm-hmm. once again, Thomas F. Wilson. I had the note here. Man, I wish this guy was played by Tom Wilson. And then at the end of the episode, it's like, oh. It was. How could you mm-hmm. not? I don't I mean, know. I, I know I know. not everyone does that thing I do, but he's got a very distinctive voice. He sure does. I was surprised that I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I thought I knew I th- what Tom Wilson sounded like. I identified him immediately mm-hmm. when he was in the uh, Robin episode. The thing is, I think you do. I think you can. I think it's your lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. You heard his voice. Something in your brain connected that character to Tom Wilson, but then your your like your self esteem kicked in and said, "No, that can't be him. Yep. I'm wrong." <laughs> you can't identify voice actors. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's true. You don't know sounds you've heard before. Shut up, brain! I'm trying to run a podcast here. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so I... my bad thing is my brain this week. <laughs> oh. That's, I mean, both of us every week. Uh-huh. Yeah. So let's talk about that T-Rex. Like, I mm-hmm. I did enjoy that fight tremendously. Not as much as with the ducky, but still quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But why was it there? I, I I love the idea that Lex just happens to have an a fully automated battle T-Rex in his museum just in case. That he well, like can I, control. Like I said in my summary, it's... It's in the entrance, like like you get it at mm-hmm. fancy museums. Here's the big, life-sized, what we think dinosaur looked like. Mm-hmm. But it's it's capable of killing people. Why? <laughs> Why would you do this? Why would you not do this? I'm the richest guy in town. Of course, I'm going to have a robot T T Rex. It's a lawsuit waiting to happen. It's a it's it's bad PR waiting to happen, Lex. Oh no, I'm so scared of bad PR and lawsuits. He is. He's got a, like, that's why he's got Mercy to do the mm-hmm. killing instead of him. Oh, Mercy killing. I get it. Ah. Uh, instead of instead of him just doing it himself because he doesn't, you know, he's got to worry about the optics, as mm-hmm. they say. So. I just, not a guy, not a guy who I who I would think would be worried about the, the average lawsuit, you know? Mm, I think if his d- robot dinosaur ate some museum patrons. 
you didn't you didn't count on my robot lawyer. Well, that's a who good point. He was also eating people. <laughs> he was next if Superman took out the dinosaur. Mm-hmm. No, we were speculating like, oh, all the different Lexco like places must have different like, you know, he's got a saber-toothed tiger and yep. that that shark in his office, that's mm-hmm. probably a robot. Got a robot shark. I've got a robot uh, saber-toothed tiger. Marcy, yeah. what's that thing I bought last week? You know, the uh, the big ox-looking thing. Wildebeest, boss. I got a robot wildebeest. Mm, but not a KG beast, because no. that's, a, that's a whole other beast. Uh, too expensive. Mm-hmm. Plus, he keeps cutting his hand off whenever he gets arrested. Does he? Uh-huh. Well, that was the thing I know KG beasts for. Well, that's more than I know. Uh... He's trying to escape, and Batman grabs him with a rope, like mm-hmm. around one of his arms. So KG Beast cuts off his hand and then puts a gun on it, like he's a, like he's an animal in a trap, and he just chews it off. That's like, dude, you have a knife; you could cut the rope. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I will be back for revenge for my cut off hand, Batman. You cut it off. <laughs> uh, what else? Let's see here. Like, another very good episode. Mm-hmm. And again, like, setting up a lot of stuff. So, what is Star Labs for before Superman existed? Uh, I don't know. Research? No. Oh. They research, like, sci-fi crap. Okay. Later on, like, in the Flash show, they're like the backup. They're like the backup squad for him. You know, they you do all them- the inventing and stuff. You make them the way S.H.I.E.L.D. is in Marvel. You mm. have, like, a, a government uh, agency that's sort of there to support and also keep an eye on the superheroes. Yeah, I think... And in this case, they're more scientists than the military. Yeah, they're, le- they don't, they're not, like, a, like a government, like, military force. I think that's Argus in this. Or No, but these guys are more like NASA. Yeah. Like, they are they are government, but they're more for, for research mm-hmm. and, and, you know, learning things. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is that's, like, narratively, that's your S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, mm-hmm. that's your... Like, you have Superman relating to uh, very competent humans who understand specific things about his world. Like, mm. that's that's the way you do that. But I, just, uh, I, I don't know what they're for before Superman existed. Because Superman has trouble figuring things out for himself. He, I mean, I'm not wrong, right? Like, No. He's, he's a little dumb. No, and I kind of like that for the character, you know? Like, it makes a lot of sense. Mm, it It does. But on the other hand... Clark Kent thinks he can keep up with Lois Lane as a reporter mm-hmm. and some sometimes manages to. Like, she's always going to win, but he gets real close a lot, mm-hmm. which means he's almost as smart as Lois Lane, so he can't be stupid. <laughs> Maybe Clark Kent is smart and he's got to pretend to be stupid as Superman? That's part of the disguise? Maybe? I could kind of see that. Because you can't really pretend to be smart. I mean, I guess there's a difference between science smart and journalism smart, you know? I'm noted. No, what I'm what I'm saying is pattern recognition smart. He doesn't put together glowing green rock and sudden weakness mm-hmm. for a really long time. It's also like, dude, nothing in the world makes you sick except for this one thing, mm-hmm. and you keep being surprised that you keep getting sick around this one thing. Plus, what could it be? With, that guy with the glasses just told you what can shield you from it. Hmm. And it took you a whole fight with a dinosaur to figure that out. Hang on, I'm not great with the periodic table. Give me a second here. Is it gold? It's usually gold. Look. What what do we usually shield people from uh, radiation with? What what kind of an apron do you put on when you get an x-ray? Mm-hmm. Like what blocks your x-ray vision there, Clark? 
Uh, he huh? might not know that. He might uh, not that's know that. That's Like, uh, it is a later development that Lex figures that out and starts lining his buildings with lead. Mm. But at this point, I don't think they know that yet. I actually like, and I don't know if this is intentional or if I'm reading too much into it, that he's not really great at hiding his Superman stuff yet. Like, yeah. Uh, there's a, uh, when they're, when they're standing there at the press conference and the museum's being robbed, he's like, Lois, do you hear that? And she's like, hear what? What are you talking about? And it's like, maybe like, I, I, I don't know. Again, I might be reading too much. No, I, I thought like, the same thing. It's like, hey, it's uh, that, that thing, right? What thing? Oh, right. That's a thing only Superman can hear. So he's, he's, only lived in a city for a short time. He's mm-hmm. not used to all these noises all the time. And that plus, he, he hasn't really had to hide this before because mm-hmm. his parents already knew. So yeah. like between hearing everything all the time around you nonstop and then not knowing how to hide it exactly, I, I'm, I'm amazed he hasn't just like given himself away 10 or 15 times over already. Oh, it was always so easy to trick those rubes back at Smallville. Yeah, I plus he didn't really try to trick them. He mm-hmm. just like, whoosh in and and save them from the train or whatever and then whoosh away like he Kansas didn't... City blur saves two people again uh-huh we don't know what it is but then when he's on the farm he's like uh pa I think the horses got out again you know like mm-hmm. he doesn't have to he doesn't have to worry about covering that up yeah well, go fucking get him and then go lift yeah. the barn <laughs> but right. pa that's the limit of my strength <laughs> really is the barn more powerful than a locomotive I'll mm-hmm. update the chart <laughs> okay let's see here Barn, locomotive, thresher, person, dog. Okay. By the way, I didn't get to mention this last week. Why did they leave the dog behind? They couldn't fit the dog in the rocket. Okay. We saw Crypto, and mm-hmm. I was like, I was so excited. And yeah. then they just like he blew up with the rest of the planet. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm much more sad about that dog dying than... Uh... Yeah, it was a good dog. Than Superman's parents. Of course he was a good dog. They're all good, good white dogs. dog. Mm-hmm. Didn't even get a chance to see him in a cape. No. Nope. Which is the only way to make a dog better. Uh-huh. And then, like, uh, stretching his arms, like, his dog arms out, just like Superman does when he flies. Yep. Okay. What a good boy. Yep. What else? Uh, we get to see Lois's 90s-ass cell phone telephone. Ah, yes. Uh, about which I have no follow-up other than, there it is. Mm-hmm. Well, this was 1996. Mm-hmm. Some people had them. Yeah, Lois and my dad. <laughs> my mom had a, a car phone. Like, it had to stay mm-hmm. in the car. Yep. But, and it worked with, like, I think the radio antenna and it, like, powered itself from the car. But, uh, yeah, that was a thing. Um, That's about all I have. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot either. <laughs> my quote is uh, from near the end where, um, uh, uh, Superman's weakened by the kryptonite, and uh, he says this to Lois. Lois, get the kryptonite out of here. Which to me <clears throat> just sounded like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> get the kryptonite out of here, Lois. Get the Jeez. kryptonite out of here. <laughs> Which I, I'm sure they didn't mean it that way. But <clears throat> made me laugh. Get the kryptonite out of here. I mm-hmm. know. What are you? What are you like a Smurf? <laughs> you just sometimes use the word kryptonite in a sentence, like yeah. instead of different nouns. <laughs> I kryptonited down to the kryptonite store. Mm-hmm. All right. The kryptonite store called. They're out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's a kryptonite store? I'm buying it. And then I'm going to put a robot's T-Rex in it. Of course. Welcome to Planet Lex. <clears throat> I covered this in my summary, but just the, the very idea 
mm-hmm. that the the uh, museum, which presumably, like all museums in every city, is is kept alive with uh, taxes and donations, mm-hmm. is failing. And so Lex says, "Okay, I can help. I'll make my own." <laughs> you you complete asshole. Which I assume is like the history of the Luthor family. <laughs> no, I think it's probably a little more subtle. Like it's definitely that's definitely there. Mm-hmm. But I, it's one of those things where it tricks you into like, uh... oh, of course, the answer was ice cold refreshment. <laughs> Where you think you're learning something, but it's, like, obviously corporate propaganda. I didn't know that the Luthors discovered America. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Got there just ahead. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. The story of Lex Luthor. Mm Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Biff Tannen Museum. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Oh, I just made myself sad. Yep. All right. They're all just fucking Trump. Ugh. Yeah, well, that's why I made myself sad. That I didn't want gross. to say the name. Thanks uh-huh. for saying the name. Ugh. Yeah. I, I just hate him so much. <laughs> just hate you so much. Yep. All right. Well, that's all for this time. Yeah. Um, next time, we have uh, Feeding Time, which I do not know what it is, mm-hmm. and The Way of All Flesh, which I think is the first Metallo episode. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. Uh, and our friend Brian will be joining us for that. Ah, excellent. So, looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to write to us for our next mail show, it is kidslovebatmanpodcast at gmail. We didn't change it to Superman because we're going to have to do that every time, and that's exhausting. Yeah. So, it's still Kids yeah. Love Batman. And, you know, the website is kidslovebatman.com. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that's all for this time. Yeah. See ya, folks. Twala. For more information about this show and the people who make it, visit kidslovebatman.com. To provide financial support for this show and all of the shows produced by Algar Productions, consider a pledge at patreon.com algar. That's double A-L-G-A-R. The Kids Love Batman podcast is a co-production of Matt Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Copyright 2021. Algar Productions. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.